Hey there, I'm Ashley and I'm a proud mama of two beautiful kiddos, a wife, a health and wellness coach, and a middle and high school shop teacher. Hi, I'm Roberta, mama, wife, educator. I'm an entrepreneur and homeschool mom navigating the work, family, social life balance. Together, we will discuss various topics near and dear to our hearts for teachers and mamas, like routines, health, habits, self-care, and so, so much more. Living a healthy lifestyle is for everyone from young children to adults. Health, wellness, and emotional and social well-being starts at home and should be expanded upon in the classroom. Everyone can benefit from the Teacher Mamas podcast. So if you're ready to learn some helpful tips, let's do this thing. Hello, listeners. We have a special episode for you today. We are talking with school psychologist Maggie Lakebrink, and I think we kind of introduced her in the episode pretty well, so I'm not, this is going to be super short and sweet. We really just wanted to let you know that we had some dogs running around in the background, and so there's quite a bit of background noise in this episode, just so you're aware. We knew it was happening, and we just kept going anyways because it was such a good episode and it was really great talking to her and getting her perspective on um, self-care in the classroom and how when we are not taking intentional time to take care of ourselves we are actually harming everybody else around us so this is a great episode come listen in and we will see you on the other side Hello, podcast people. We have with us today Maggie Lake Brink, and she is, we just found her literally a couple days ago on Instagram. And because we're both teachers, we were able to like get, actually it's Saturday today. So I'm so off on my days because we just got back from Wisconsin Dells. I keep thinking it's Monday. (laughs) But anyways, So nice to have you on, Maggie. I would love for you to tell us and all our listeners where you're from, uh, where you're at now, what kind of school do you work in? Are you elementary? Are you high school? And what do you do there? Yeah, so thanks for having me. Um, So I am from central Illinois, um, kind of near Illinois State University. And I am actually a school psychologist. Um, I started out actually after I got my degree, I decided to move to South Carolina for a year, which was completely different. So I did work there for a year and I did everything from preschool to high school. Mm -hmm. And uh, South Carolina, the weather was amazing, but the school wasn't for me. So I came back to uh, Illinois and I've been doing elementary school since then. So I absolutely love elementary school kids. I think everyone kind of has their um, level that they really, you know, seem to jive with the most in elementary school kids are definitely mine. Nice. I, I understand that. Um, <laughs> uh, so two questions kind of here. So one, how long have you been doing this, mm-hmm. but also where you're at now, I think your your job role can in different districts and different states kind of have different um, expectations or responsibilities. So I'm wondering what all of your responsibilities are in the role that you have now, um, but then how long you've been. Yeah, been, absolutely. Yeah. Um, So this, I just finished, I guess, my eighth year, 
as a school psychologist. So it'll be my seventh year then just back in Illinois. Um, and that was part of the reason that I, I moved back. Um, we are trained to do a whole lot of different things. Um, everything from counseling, social emotional support, to academic intervention, obviously special education evaluations, consulting with teachers and families. South Carolina really utilized us as kind of testers. So we were housed like at the district office. I only went into a school if I was testing a kid. That was my only interaction with them. I didn't interact with teachers. I really wasn't seen as a part of the school community. Um, and I just didn't like that. They also didn't have a lot of supports for social emotional um, needs in the building. So they didn't have social workers. They didn't have counselors in the building. So it was very minimal um, in my perspective of what they were able to provide. And that was just the model that they had gone with for a long time. So. Um, I just didn't ask the right questions when I interviewed and uh, wasn't expecting that. So my role in Illinois is a bit different. And I will say even like across towns in Illinois, across the districts that I'm in, the role can look vastly different. Um, I advocate to be a part of a lot of different things because I feel like it's beneficial to be really involved in my schools. Um, so yes, I still do special ed vows, but I also, my room is kind of a place where kids can take a break and regulate. But yeah, so now my position, um, a lot of kids have a Miss Lake Brink pass. I give them to all the teachers. So if they're, you know, just needing a break as a place to calm down or regulate, then that's kind of what I like to have my office be. I also work a lot with different teams within the building. So I'm obviously I'm part of the special ed team, but also our positive and behavior supports. Um, our CARES team is what we call like our academic interventions and kind of how we problem solve around kids. So I also recently in the last few years got roped into um, voluntold to be um, what we call the emoji master in one of my buildings. So. I record myself doing lessons every Friday and the kids watch them in their classroom. So they're coping skills lessons or problem solving with friends, um, just different skills that they kind of need day to day to function in a school setting. And so um, that's been kind of cool because the kids that wouldn't normally know who I am, my face is now familiar. And so if they are having a bad day, I'm now a familiar person that they're more comfortable going to. That's really beautiful. It sounds like a lot of work for you, but it to me that sounds like a really nice setup, like kind of an ideal situation, especially compared to districts I've been in where where it's been the model that you first talked about, where you're just coming in for an isolated situation and then back out again. Um, and we'll see someone new in the building and it's like, who is that? We have no idea who that is. And um, so that's really, I think, powerful that 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 every child then in the building knows who you are. Um, that's really neat. Yeah. And so all kids, any kids can come to you, right? Because we have, I'm high school and mm -hmm. have counselors in our building, like actual therapists where the kids that are signed up to go to them can go. Um, and then I guess the only person in our building that anyone can go talk to is our counselor who is in the office, but she's also like the um, 
like she does college applications and like does all that like after high school kind of stuff with the kids as well Mm -hmm. college visits and so she can get quite busy too because she's kind of playing like double roles and then we've also got a indian ed person where any of our um native american students can go but it's only for native american students so really like the only person in our building is the counselor but she's also doubling as so many other things as well yeah so in the district i'm currently at we only have school counselors at the junior high and high school level so i kind of serve in that role to some degree um we have a social worker in each building that we're kind of paired with and so they primarily are the ones that would see students that maybe have counseling minutes on their iep um so their services that they have to get each week um i do more of what we would call like intervention small groups like if we have a group of kids that are all struggling with social skills or all of them, you know, their parents all just went through a divorce or they're all struggling with something specific. Um, We have a handful of people um, in the building that do those. And so I kind of oversee a lot of those. Um, I will say that this year we have a shortage of school psychs. So we had a position that went unfilled all year. And so of course I got to have the extra building. And so I I was more limited in what I was able to do, but I still prioritized those. That that time with kids, I feel like is where we do the most good in our role. And so Mm -hmm. um, I really still tried to prioritize that. So again, yeah, like any student is able to come see me. Um, They don't have to, you know, have a specific plan with me or anything. If it's just a day, sometimes kids are like, I want to go see Miss Lake Brink and you know, as long as the teacher's willing to let them come see me, then that's fine. So how have you noticed since we've been going through this lovely pandemic for, I don't even know how many years now I've lost track. Um, how have you noticed this affecting our kids' mental health? Yeah, I mean, I think it's been pretty publicly discussed that there are higher rates of anxiety, of self-harm, of self-control and anger concerns in kids. Um, I know most teachers you talk to are gonna say, you know, it was harder for me to manage my classroom this year than ever before coming back from everything. I feel like this was the year that in most buildings, it was as most normal as it's been in the past um, in terms of like, not a lot of kids being remote or hybrid or, you know, different schedules and things. What the pandemic did was, our stress response systems in all of our kids are overly activated now. So the things that we would think normally would be a small stressor, we shouldn't really dysregulate a kid that much in our minds, are having a bigger impact on them. Mm -hmm. They also got a lot less opportunity in a typical situation at school to practice coping skills, to practice social skills. Hey y'all, so I don't know if you've heard, but we have a weekly newsletter. I'm super pumped about this and I absolutely love spending the time thinking about the perfect tips to put in that weekly email. Inside each newsletter, you'll get three tips for adults, two tips for kids, and one thing we're grateful for. When you sign up for our newsletter right now, you will get a free 
freebie. <laughs> you will get our dream routine summer schedule checklist for kids. And it's fantastic. And I can't talk it up enough. So go follow the link in the show notes and sign up for our newsletter today. Get the freebie and get awesome tips every week directly to your email. Now back to our show. Yeah. So I, I just feel like a lot of our students, um, are overreactive, their bodies just are. And so when they're in that state of, I'm dysregulated, they're not using their thinking brain, they are just reacting, and they're not, even if we've taught them skills, they're not able to access those because they're kind of just in a constant state of, I'm dealing with everything the world has thrown at me in the last few years. So what, before we move on here to the next question, I'm wondering if you can think of one action step that parents or teachers could take to help our kids through that. Yeah, I think one piece to realize is that the same thing happened to us as adults. So we are more reactive than we've ever been before too. We have a heightened sense of we get dysregulated more easily. Our bodies respond to things that normally wouldn't stress us out. And so being aware of yourself, I feel like is really important with that. But I also think as educators, not taking it personally, it's really hard um, when you have a group of kids that are not listening or you feel like they should be able to do something that in the past, kids in your class have been able to do. But realizing, you know, you have to help them regulate their bodies before you're going to be able to move anywhere with them. Yeah, I think that's one thing that teachers are really struggling with right now, especially like the teachers that got into teaching literally for teaching and not like having to deal with the social emotional stuff. I know my school has been good about like bringing this to us the last couple of years, but then you still got people who are like, well, I'm a teacher. I should be teaching my subject matter. I shouldn't have to do all this other stuff. Whereas now it's like, well, we kind of really have no choice because if you're only teaching, most kids aren't even getting the information. Absolutely. And I feel like there's this belief that we can just teach a subject. Mm -hmm. But really, when you ask teachers like what their goal is for kids, it's for them to be successful in life. It's for them to be good people and take what they've learned at school and do something with it. And so I think when we think of that perspective, like if we're not teaching the whole child and helping them deal with what's going on now, they're not going to be able to deal with those things when they get older either. Absolutely. And so we've kind of touched on it, but um, how do you think the pandemic is affecting our teachers' mental health right now? In a similar way. So uh, I will say this past year, I've never seen as many dysregulated teachers as I have in the past. We're more reactive and not because we don't want to respond in the best way possible to kids, but because the last few years have impacted us too. We've had to navigate teaching remotely or um, having kids sick, having family members sick, all sorts of different things. And it's been really difficult. And I think that giving ourselves that grace is really hard. Um, as educators, we always want to, a lot of us are type A people. Um, we want to do our best all of the time and do what we're supposed to be doing. Um, but we don't necessarily stop to take care of ourselves in that process. We just kind of keep pushing forward. So I'm seeing a lot of 
a lot of kids even coming to me and saying like, hey, why is Miss so-and-so in such a bad mood today? Or does this teacher not like me? Because they just don't seem to want to listen to me anymore. And it's not because the teacher doesn't like them. It's because they're overworked, they're tired, they're not taking their lunch. And when we're not taking care of ourselves, we're not able to respond to kids in the same way that if kids aren't regulated, they can't respond to us in the way we want them to respond. Mm -hmm. Or their prep. I've been hearing and seeing it at our school so much as well because we're so short on subs. So we're not getting our prep. I think our school did the best that they could do this year where our administrators actually took on the first, like we went through a couple weeks where literally nobody was getting their prep and we we're like, this can't go on like this. And so they listened and they were like, you know what, we're going to be the first call for anyone that needs a sub from now on. So it went like administrators and then like AD and counselors and then like teachers and um, sped teachers were the very last ones on the list to get called. So, um, but I mean, even that it was, we were still getting called, it seemed like every other day to sub because we were so short on subs. So people not getting their prep and all that kind of stuff has really been. We had a similar, um, I mean, it was hard. I think earlier in the year, it was worse. It got a little better near the end of the year for us, but our admin had to step into and they were subbing almost every day. Luckily, I, I only ended up having to cover a class once, but a lot of it was our TAs were getting pulled from students that need them and classes that need them. Our special ed staff was pulled again from students that need them. And so then it was really hard to be like, are we doing what's best for kids mm-hmm. when we can't even staff our building? And so I think that just caused more stress on teachers. And I know at the high school level, like they were constantly being asked to cover a class during their prep period. Mm-hmm. Um, which just adds to everyone's stress. So we had to reiterate, you can say no. I know it feels awful to say no, but if like you really need that time, take it. Still figure something else out. Yeah, we're we're big on that as well, <laughs> Roberta and I, yeah. because we see so many people taking on roles every time that they're asked. And it's like, just because you're getting asked to do something doesn't mean that you have to do it. I personally would not coach. I, I don't have the time for that. Um, so I would never take on like a coaching role. So for me, a really easy thing that I can do to like take on my like share of the responsibility or whatever is, is subbing during my prep. Like that doesn't usually bother me because subbing usually is like super chill and easy. And the kids are just kind of doing their own thing that they're supposed to do. And so I can still kind of like prep and everything, but what the teachers, a lot of teachers that I see doing, they're like, well, I can prep and, or I can do, I can take this class and I can, I can do this coaching thing after school and I can do this other thing too. And we're, we talk about like burnout and Roberta and I looked up the definition this weekend, like the difference between burnout and stress. And it was very interesting because, um, over stress is like, you're just saying yes to too many things. (laughs) And so, you know, our teachers right now need to start realizing you don't have to say yes to everything. Like, you know what, sometimes there might just be stuff that has to go away. (laughs) 
And I think that like part of that too is like our systems right now are overstressed. So what may have been an okay level of work three years ago for you is probably too much now. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard to be like, I have to step back when I'm already in like this committee and I'm coaching this and I'm doing that. It feels bad. Like, I think there's a lot of guilt on teachers when you like give something up and say, yeah, I've been doing this for five years or 10 years, but like, I'm not going to do it anymore. You have to find someone else. And like, it's really hard to do that, but we have to, I feel like now. We have this thing inside our head that's like, well, I have to do it for the kids. I have to. But if, if you're not, if you're taking on too much and you're overstressed and you're overwhelmed, are you really doing it for the kids? In my mind, like you are just, (laughs) you're, you're stressing your kids out more probably because you're overstressed and overwhelmed. I think we touched a bit on this, but I want to see if you have anything else you want to add. How do you think the, the way that teachers are feeling overstressed and overwhelmed and honestly, not just teachers, but also parents and it's coming from both sides of these kids' lives. Um, so many, I think, teachers specifically don't know how to take care of themselves. So um, how do you think that's playing a big role in, in the mental health of our kids? Well, one thing that I have been trying to, with staff in both of my buildings, to reiterate is we're modeling taking care of ourselves to our kids. Mm-hmm. So if we're never willing to tap out and say, listen, we talk about the red zone in my school, like I can't take anymore, I'm in the red zone. Um, I'm in the red zone. I need to take a break from the room and step out and that's okay. And that's a normal thing that I should be able to walk into the hall and take a deep breath and have another adult in here to watch you. Um, but modeling that is good because those are the things we want our kids to be able to do. We want our kids to pause, to take deep breaths, to problem solve. But I think that when we are so stressed and we're not taking care of ourselves, we're not doing those things. And so then the kids feel like they can't do those things either if the adults aren't even doing those things. It's something that we've really tried to push in both of my buildings is we call it tapping out. Um, and it's, I mean, it can be, hey, I just need a five minute walk or I need to go get a drink of water because I haven't had anything to drink all morning or I haven't been able to go to the bathroom and I don't plan till the end of the day. Um, but just simple things like that, like you have to take care of yourself um, because the kids, feel you being dysregulated and it rubs off on them. So if you aren't able to respond calmly and in a, you know, a supportive way to students because you're not taking care of yourselves, then the students internalize that as maybe you don't like me or maybe you think I'm bad or I don't know what to do because my teacher's not doing like showing me what skills that I could be using in those situations either. So Mm -hmm. not that it's their fault. They need staff and they need systems in the buildings that support those things happening. So if you don't have a admin that's willing to cover your class for five minutes so that you can go calm down or so that you can go take a walk real quick, then that's really hard. Or if you don't have a team or a department that's willing to help you with those things, it feels really isolating. So like, it can also be like the whole class, including you as the teacher, hey, we're going to take a five minute break and I need to put my head down on my desk and take some deep breaths. Everyone else is welcome to do that or they're welcome to color or, you know, X, Y, and Z. And I think that modeling that and doing that throughout the day as you need it, as the kids need it is really important. 
I did that a lot when I was in kindergarten, teaching kindergarten. That was, we had a section of the room. And the beginning of the year, I would use that simply for modeling, even if I didn't need it. It was just kind of like I mentally scheduled it into my day to like show them how to use the corner by modeling it myself. And, um, but there were times where it's like, oh my goodness, everyone is so hyper and ah, that I need a break. Um, and we would, or um, honestly, I would get chronic migraines really, really bad when I was pregnant. And so even taking a break at that time to, to breathe and stuff and kind of release the tension in the shoulders and release the pain a little bit. It's like, okay, we're turning off the lights. We're dimming them. Like there's still plenty of light coming in through the window. You guys are going to do your work, but I need five minutes of quiet, not because of anything you've done, but because I need it. Mm -hmm. And talking about um, that sometimes we need quiet and it's not a punishment. And I, I felt that was really important to make that distinction. Like this isn't a punishment. This is to help me regulate or to help you regulate and using child-friendly words um, when we did that. But, and I think it's easy for, I, I want to say it's easier for elementary teachers to be able to do this stuff than it is for high school teachers, because we just have this like ingrained in our head that like, well, they're in high school now. They should have it like figured out, right? Well, we're freaking adults and we don't have it figured out. So why would they, <laughs> you know? So it's like, I, I think it's just so much easier for the younger grades because like they're already, they already have a whole bunch of skills that they're teaching the kids along the way, right? Well, and this is a, a we did a trauma-informed training, which I wish my school would bring back again because it was really good. I don't remember where this guy was from, but he and his wife, I think they ran like an entire school that like trauma kids came to them and they just like housed these kids and were like with them all the time and worked on these skills with them. And he came in and talked to us a couple years ago. He, he talked to us about how to incorporate these things in the classroom. Like it is okay to take an all class break and just like do some breath work and, or Maybe you've got a really hyper group of seventh graders, right? Our seventh and eighth graders are still really hyper. <laughs> and so maybe we need to do a quick walk around the building or we need to like do some jumping jacks or, you know, like do some stretching and stuff like that. And so I really liked when he came in because it really opened up that door for our teachers to be like, oh, it is okay to incorporate this stuff in the classroom. It is okay for me to be doing this stuff. Like I don't have to be perfect a hundred percent of the time or put this perfect facade face on. Like I've got my crap all together all the time. <laughs> I almost just swore and we don't swear on our podcast. <laughs> it was really nice to see. And it was really refreshing because he talked about the trauma informed school and how we don't, necessarily know which kids of ours are going through trauma, but we can always bring these things into the classroom and involve the whole class. And honestly, now after this pandemic, <laughs> I think we've all gone through some trauma. So I think we all need it all the time. But um, I feel like um, a lot of times teachers need permission. Yes. Um, and it seems silly because, you know, it's our classroom. We should be able to do what we think's best. But 
we need permission to, you know, not follow our lesson plan, you know, and do those things, take the kids outside, go for a walk, turn on music, take a break, whatever it is. Um, and I think we have to keep in mind that our kids are going to take so much more from our lesson if we do those things rather than trying to teach to a group of kids that aren't there. I think a lot of it comes from like, if we have had, I came from, I came from some schools where I had a lot of, um, I would say administrator trauma myself. So if, if teachers have come from schools like that, where it's like, you have to have perfect lesson plans, you have to have everything in line. You have to follow it 100%. You can't go out. You can't bring your kids outside. You can't deviate from this. Like you have to be in line all the time. And if you are coming from a school like that, or you're in a school like that right now, it's going to make it a lot harder. <laughs> and I came from that myself. So I have a lot of past administrator trauma. The school that I'm at right now is the first school that I have felt where I have like freedom in my classroom to do what I feel is necessary to do with my kids so that I feel relaxed and ready to teach and so that my kids can feel ready to learn. Before that, I it was a hot mess. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you're in a better place now. That's so hard when you don't feel like you can do what you think's right for kids. Yep. Yep. And I think that's probably where a lot of, you know, teachers have this like past trauma from themselves as well. So, but, um, we should, I would love, I love that you're all about self-care. That's how I found you on Instagram. Um, but you know, we kind of feel like after we did our last interview, we kind of talked about how that word self-care is kind of like a distorted reality for people because we say we're going to self-care, but in like our self-care is like opening up our secret chocolate drawer and like, you know, sneaking chocolate or, um, you know, we go home and we like binge on Netflix so um, do you find that as well? Like when you are talking about self-care or like some of these things? are. Yeah. So um, what's funny is I kind of, I don't have a lot of people that follow me on Instagram, but I get asked those that do like, what do you want in the summer? Because during the school year, I normally share like SEL tips for teachers and everyone said self-care. And I was like, okay, that's clearly what we need to focus on. Um, but I think it is, it's so distorted. It's, I'm going to go get a massage or I'm going to indulge or I'm going to, you know, not worry about what I'm eating or, you know, get an extra coffee at Starbucks, mm -hmm. all the things. It, I mean, the, those may be, so I think of self-care as like, there's basics and then there's those things that you go and indulge in and it's okay to indulge once in a while. It's okay to book a massage every couple months if that makes your body feel better. Awesome. I can't afford to do that all of the time. So like that seems really unrealistic to a lot of people I know. Like I'm not going to go to a spa every weekend. I'm not going to go do these huge things that cost a lot of money. Um, I'm also not going to indulge myself every night when I get home from school because then I'm going to feel awful the next day and I'm going to be tired. Um, so I, I think of it as like taking care of your physical health is really what's going to make you feel the best. So like sleep is huge. Um, so getting home and dissociating and watching Netflix for like six hours and then realizing that it's like midnight and you probably should have come to bed already. 
is not taking care of yourself. Now, if you like to watch an episode of something after dinner that makes you laugh, that's totally fine. I'm not saying don't watch Netflix. Um, but I think that it's really easy if you've had a really long day to turn on the TV and completely like zone out mm -hmm. and then not do any of the other things you need to do to take care of yourself. Drinking water is huge for me right now. Um, I realized the last couple months of school, I was like not drinking water, like nearly as much as I should. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I would get home from school and like, I had like eight ounces of water all day. This is awful. Why do I feel so bad? Oh, okay. Right. Um, For now that we just got out of school and we've been, we were just on vacation. I was like, you know, we're in the car. And so you're trying not to drink. And I was telling my husband the, the day that we were in the car, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm just so starving. Like what I can't fill up today. What is my problem? And then I stopped and I thought about it. I'm like, oh yeah, duh. I barely drank any water today. I'm actually thirsty. I'm not hungry. <laughs> so everybody, you know, always mistakes that hunger as, or that, yeah, that hunger as, as actual hunger instead of, um, oh, maybe I actually should have gotten more sleep last night or, I should drink more water because that's what my body is really needing right now. We're taking that time, I, I think, and I know I've gotten into this myself where I would come home and try to push everything away so like I wouldn't think about it by watching Netflix or by doing something instead of taking five minutes and journaling or reflecting on what it was that was bothering me from the day. Oh. Because then it can be helpful and productive rather than binging on Netflix to try and feel better right. and going back to the same exact scenario the next day. Or um, being able to sleep because you're just thinking about it and like playing it out in your head all night long. I, I think that like pushing it away, I mean, that's a, I read a book recently and like, I didn't think about this, but like it's a trauma response. To try and dissociate or do something that's completely removing yourself from thinking about anything that happened in your day or any of your emotions or any of the stress going on. And it can get really easy to like stay in that space. But then you don't feel good when you go back to work the next day because you didn't problem solve anything. You didn't process those feelings or take care of anything. Um, mm -hmm. And I found myself doing that more near the end of the year when things got like really busy. And I think that, I think different people, different aspects of self-care are harder for them. So I think that when we talk about like what people's self-care goals should be or what they should really be focusing on, like for me, sleep is a really easy one. So that's never a goal for me because I'm the person that will fall asleep at eight o'clock on the couch every night. Um, so I just put myself to bed. Like I, that has always been like, I need a lot of sleep. My body just turns off and I go to sleep. Um, and for other people, I know like they could stay up till two o'clock in the morning if they let themselves. So I think that it's, you know, kind of what your body needs to feel good and what, um, like things people eat are different that make their bodies feel good too. So um, for me, it's really that like what I'm eating and drinking and then intentionally, like whether it's just I walked after school, something like moving my body in some way. 
uh, I feel like I get better sleep when I do that. Um, but then I also have more energy, I feel like too. Um, so I feel like that was a really big one for me. And then connecting with other people. Um, because I feel like our jobs can be really isolating, especially if we are in a school, like you said, actually you were before where you didn't really have that support in doing the things that you wanted to do. Mm -hmm. So whether that's like calling someone during my lunch break or a quick text check-in or making a coffee date for Sunday morning, something like that. I think that intentionally connecting with someone um, on a real level, not just a, hey, yeah, I'm fine, how are you? Mm-hmm. Um, helps, you know, we're more likely mm-hmm. to share our emotions. We're more likely to process things with someone else. Um, and I feel like that that helps our emotional, our mental health too. Um, yeah. We talk about like with kids that relationships are huge. Relationships, the big, like if you don't have a relationship with a kid, mm-hmm. it's not going to work. But like the same thing kind of applies to us. If we don't have relationships that are supporting us, um, people we can go to when we're stressed out, like that's our biggest factor of resiliency and self-care too. So mm-hmm. I think that's kind of a big one that we don't often talk about. I'm laughing because mm-hmm. you, you said connect on a real level and not just, Hey, how are you? I was at my, my son's preschool graduation a couple weeks ago. And one of the other moms who I know it wasn't just a random mom, but <laughs> she was like, Hey, how are you? And I was like, Oh, fine. And then immediately I was like, in my head, I was like, I'm not fine. I'm really freaking stressed out right now. And so I looked at her and I was like, actually, I'm not fine. I'm super stressed and everything is crap right now. (laughs) She was like, good for you for just saying it out loud. (laughs) You have to say it sometimes. It honestly feels good. I'm not fine. Everything isn't wonderful. Yeah. This is stressful. Like I'm overworked. This is going on. And yeah. We have to be able to do those things. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So I think we just have two more questions for you and then we'll do like our quick, like rapid question round. Um, nothing to be scared of. I promise it's harmless, but, <laughs> um, the, the, the picture that I saw on your Instagram the other day, it was about habit stacking and I love habit stacking. Um, this is what I've built like my morning routine on, but for those of us that don't know, can you explain it to them? Yeah. So, um, I think it's from, well, I think it's from multiple things, but, um, atomic habits. I know that book talks about it a lot, Mm -hmm. um, but I've seen it multiple places. So it's the idea that if you want to start a new habit, so I was specifically talking about self-care habits, Mm -hmm. um, in this, Think of an existing habit that you already have, something that you are consistent at doing. You pick something you're not consistent at, it's not gonna work super well, uh, but you tie the new habit to it. So for example, I eat breakfast every morning. If I want to have it stack and make sure that I'm drinking some water before I go to work in the morning, I drink eight ounces of water before I eat my breakfast. I know I'm gonna eat my breakfast every morning at home. I do it every day that kind of builds it into like, I'm not creating this new time frame. Sometime in my day, I'm gonna figure out when to do this, but it's attached to something else that I know I'm gonna do every day. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, um, the example I gave is, I like to take a walk after dinner or after school every day, depending upon when I leave school. Um, and so I'm intentionally filling up my water bottle and bringing it with me on my walk 
So I drink my entire water bottle during my walk and that helps make sure I'm getting in extra water, especially if I realized I didn't drink much during the day at school. So um, it's really just a way to have a new habit or something you want to become a habit um, attached to an existing habit. That's awesome. So, so with that, what would you say um, could be maybe three easy habits that teachers could start stacking in places maybe throughout their school day even um, to help take care of themselves a little bit better? Um, I know, so not all teachers have trouble with this, but I personally struggle with steps on days that I'm in IEP meetings all day long. Um, I feel like I sit a lot and so um, I will kind of once I eat my lunch during my lunch break, I always take my lunch break. Um, as soon as I finish my lunch, I go on a walk through, which is what we our admin do is kind of when they walk through, but I like walk the whole building mm -hmm. so that I'm getting up and I'm moving my body. I know other teachers that, especially when it's nice out, will get outside and they'll just do a lap around the school building get some sunshine, something like that. So connecting that to their lunch break, like during lunch, I know I get a lunch break, I'm gonna do this during lunch. Um, I think that um, when you drink water, so like meal times, that's a really easy time to stack habits because it's something you're consistently doing. Um, and then I think that really the other ones kind of depend on like what your goals are. But I think that of like consistent things you already do, your, if it's something you do when you're cooking dinner for your family, an easy time to stack a habit there. Um, or if there's a specific morning routine you have, if you're already going to the gym or you're already, you know, taking a walk, things like that, that you can stack another habit on. Um, those are definitely good times to do it. One thing I was thinking about was, um, and this wouldn't apply to all teachers, but like one thing, um, that maybe I could have done was every time I start a new slide or a video lesson, because a lot of our curriculum will have like a little intro video lesson or something to like the math topic or the reading topic or something. Um, and I thought, you know, that would be a great time for a teacher. You press play and then take a couple deep breaths. Yeah. To calm the body down. Um, I'm like, you know, that would be really easy habit stacking as a teacher. Yeah. I feel like transition um, times between like subjects are a good time to like um, incorporate things like that. Um, whether yeah. it's like we're all gonna stretch or you're gonna stretch or you're gonna walk around the classroom a couple of times, take some deep breaths. Um, so yeah, it, it really kind of depends on your routine and what things are, how your class is set up. But I even feel like at like the high school, during those, you know, you have a three, three to five minute transition period in most buildings, like what you utilize that transition time for, you could definitely put a habit in there of maybe I take a few gulps of water, maybe I um, say an affirmation or think of something positive that I'm grateful for, whatever it is that makes you feel better. I think those are great times to do those things. So let's, we're going to move into our our final questions here um and these are just like whatever pops into your head first so what are you grateful for in this season of your life Ooh. um i'm grateful for my independence mm. yeah i'm not sure i would have ever said that before um 
but I have a house by myself. I kind of make my own schedule, um, especially in the summer, not during the school year. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it, it's nice. Um, I love kids and I definitely am the person that tags along with my friends when they need another adult when they're going somewhere with their kids, because um, that's what I love doing. Um, but I love kind of having the ability in the summer to kind of do whatever I want um, and really be on my own and, um, you know, seek out information and um, explore topics and uh, kind of do things that I want to do professionally and personally for myself. Mm-hmm. So what book are you currently reading or maybe a podcast that you're listening to um, right now? Uh, what's one thing? I just finished um, What Happened to You, which is a Bruce Perry book on trauma. Oprah Winfrey wrote it with him. It is very good. Love it. I'm obsessed with Bruce Perry. Anything trauma related, he's amazing. Um and then I've been listening to the podcast Code Switch lately when I've been going on walks, and that's a really good one. Uh, the most recent episode um, that I listened to was about policing in schools after like the recent school shooting. Um, and so that was just a really a good listen. Um, it was heavy. Um, and a lot of times I feel like their episodes are, uh, but they always have very relatable, uh, I feel like, to school content lately um, on that podcast. So it's called Code Switch. Code Switch. Mm-hmm. Okay. And what is a daily routine or something you do to take care of your mental, physical, emotional, social, spiritual self that you're proud of? Um, every day I either try and go on a walk outside in the sunshine or I um, go to the gym depending upon um, my plan for the day. I think that movement for me really helps. And yeah, it's been insanely hot. So there was a day where I was like, I'm just going to walk at the gym on the treadmill because it's been really hot and humid here. Yep. I know we were just in Wisconsin Dells and on Tuesday when we picked to go to one of the water parks, thank God it got up to like a hundred. I was like, oh my goodness. (laughs) So awesome. Well, we are really grateful for you, Maggie, that you decided to take time out of your Saturday (laughs) while your dog's sitting um, and um, give us a psychologist's perspective on how this pandemic is affecting our schools and how we can use self-care, actual (laughs) self-care, to um, help our teachers, our parents, our our students. in this crazy time that we're in right now. And we want to thank the rest of our listeners uh, for coming back and listening to us. And uh, we will see you all again next week. We want to thank you guys so much for taking the time out of your day to listen to us chat about healthy family living. We would love to hear your thoughts or any ideas you have for future episodes. So feel free to message us at the teacher mama's podcast at gmail.com or the Teacher Mamas podcast on Instagram. It would also mean so much to us if you would leave a quick rating or review on whatever platform you're listening from. If something really stood out to you today, don't forget to share it with someone else in your life that might need to hear it too. Spread the word. Please don't forget to share with your online community and tag us. For more positivity and inspiration on how we navigate life and the things we do on a daily basis to stay sane in the crazy, 
Don't forget to go follow each of us on Instagram. Check the show notes for our handles. 